Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode today. I hope everybody's having an excellent day today. I want to share with you some things that I've been thinking about, and I want to put it in the context of being able to very quickly and instantly reduce the rate of slip-ups that occur when people are trying to overcome addiction. And I think this applies to any other thing that we're trying to work on, again, whether it's overcoming addiction, whether it's becoming a better parent, whether it's developing their fitness, like whatever outcome somebody wants to achieve, I want to share with you something that can very quickly increase the chances of you being able to achieve this outcome and minimize the number of times that you might fall off the path and feel discouraged about that. And so the thing that made me think about this whole process in the first place is a couple of days ago, I just want to share a little bit of a background with this. So a couple of days ago, I woke up late. I woke up about 40 minutes late and I'm in charge in the morning. My wife's a teacher, so she's gone at 6 a.m. So I get up with the kiddos and drop them off at school. And I woke up 40 minutes after my alarm went off. So as soon as I recognize that it's 740, oh, I guess my alarm goes up at 650. So it's 735, 740, I jump out of bed. My daughter's still sleeping. I go wake her up. So we're, in, we're dressed, ready, out the door within 15 minutes, and I'm having her eat something on the way there. So we get to school. I drop her off. It's about 10, 12 minutes late. And 10 minutes later, I get a text from my wife. Hey, what happened? I just got a notice saying that you guys were, that, that Quinn, our daughter Quinn, she was Mark Tardy. How did this happen? What was going on this morning? And so I told her just in a text, like, yes, I realized that I was late. I have a plan. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take care of this. It'll be different tomorrow. I just didn't want to, I don't know. I'm not a huge texter, so I didn't want to go into this long old thing, but just told her basically I have a plan. And so for me, what I thought about as I was just reflecting on what happened, I thought about, okay, well, if I don't want to wake up late, what got in the way of that? I want to reduce the likelihood of this happening again. So what do I need to do? I need to reflect on what happened in the first place and then simply put a plan in place to make sure it doesn't happen again. Instead of me beating myself up and saying like, you know, I'm a loser or I can't believe I'm always late. I'm so disorganized or any other negative judgment that maybe I could have said. Instead of judging myself or my action, I just simply recognized this is what happened. So what do I do to tweak this and adjust this so tomorrow it's different? And so I want to share with you how I process this just as a framework so you can start to apply this to whatever goal that you have for your life. So I thought about, well, I woke up late. How did that happen? Number one, my alarm clock set for 6.50, which is a little bit earlier than what it needs to be. And so I thought, Okay, maybe one of the things that I say to myself in the morning is, oh, I've still got some time. You know, the alarm goes off. I think to myself, I still have a little bit of time, so let me hit snooze. And so for me, instead of hitting snooze, I ended up hitting off on my alarm clock. So my first thought was, okay, well, instead of me telling myself I still have more time, I can do one of two things. Number one, set my alarm clock for 7 o'clock so I don't have any extra time. So as soon as the alarm goes off, I'm out of bed. Or number two, tell myself, you know, I want to get her there 10 minutes early to work, uh, to school. And so just that simple shift in my mind frame or the way that I'm framing it or seeing it 
helps me to look at it differently. So now I have a different response in the moment. So if it's 6.50, I think to myself, okay, I want to get her there 10 minutes early. Now I don't have any extra time, but I'm still waking up early. The next thing that I thought about was what else led to this? How did I get up late? And I realized that at like 3 a.m. I woke up and I went to the bathroom and then it took me some time to get back to sleep. And so I thought, okay, well, if I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night, what do I need to do for that? And so I'm always just reverse engineering whatever it was that happened. How do I make a different path forward? So I thought, well, I'm waking up in the middle of the night. So what do I do about that? I need to stop my water intake at 6 p.m. And then I thought to myself, well, at 7 o'clock I was thirsty. So how do I address that? Well, the result of having the particular kind of dinner that we had at 5 made me thirsty at 7. And it was more of a high sodium, higher type of sodium. Uh, the, the meal was, I can't even remember what I ate now. But it, I knew that the meal that I had had more sodium because as I reflected, like, well, why did I have, why did I get so thirsty? Oh, it's probably because because of what we ate. It was too salty. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe I just need to make sure we're eating something different at night that doesn't contain as much salt that does not make me as thirsty. So I don't need to drink at seven. So then there was another couple of steps. I, I went back, right? Okay. I need to go to sleep at the time that I want to go to sleep, which I normally do. We're in bed at like 10, 15. Then I don't want to be, I want to cut off my water supply at my water intake at six. In order for me to be successful at that, I need to change what I eat at five. And so in order for me to be successful and not drinking any more water after six, I need to make sure I'm drinking. I try to drink a half a gallon a day. I need to make sure that I'm drinking a half a gallon while I'm at work from nine to five so that when I come home and have dinner, that's the last bit of liquid that I take in. So I'm drinking all throughout the day and adjusting my plan to make sure that I'm getting enough water throughout the day so I'm not thirsty at night. And as I'm saying all of this, I don't want you to think, oh my gosh, this is like so much. I've got to do so many different things to make this happen. Like it's too much. I can't think about it because I'm listing off a lot of things, but really these are very, very small things and small little tweaks throughout the day can produce a significantly different and better outcome. And so if you think, well, oh, I got to change my whole diet plan. Like, well, no, okay. Instead of me throwing a frozen pizza in the freeze uh, from the freezer into the oven, which is a really salty type of a, you know, it's a sodium type of a food because it has to preserve it in the freezer, like the frozen pizza. Instead of me doing that, why don't I just go on the way home instead of me grabbing a frozen pizza? Why don't I pick up one of those $5 little chickens, the, the full chickens that they make and a bag of salad that's right next to it in the produce aisle? Just a small thing. Instead of picking up the pizza, just grab this thing instead. So it doesn't have to be some massive like overhaul on my entire day. Just a couple little tweaks throughout the day can help you, in this case, help me achieve this outcome that I want to achieve. So I know I'm listing off a lot of things, but I don't want you to get lost and feel overwhelmed that this is difficult when really it's just small, small tweaks that once you put those in place, they then become the habit. And then you just, it, it's so much easier to follow through on that just once you have these small things in place. So I say all of this to you in such great detail for the purpose of helping you try to see that this same framework can apply to any goal or outcome that you want to achieve. And so today, just to report back, I woke up and it was, I woke up earlier than I needed to. And I, I didn't have to, I didn't wake up during the night because my water intake was different. And 
I got everybody out of, out of the door on time. I got my daughter to school on time. I'm here at the office recording this podcast with you today. So if that plan did not work, I would then take a step back and think, okay, what got in the way of this this time? What was it that led me to wake up late? How did I get my daughter off to school late again today? Then I would say, well, maybe my morning routine isn't as sharp as it needs to be. Maybe the night before, instead of me taking all this time and cutting up the fruits and the vegetable, like the cucumber and the strawberries and taking care of all of that, if that's what's a time suck in the morning, then I'm going to do that at night tonight. So then I would put that plan in place and then I would test that out and I'm constantly iterating the process. I'm constantly refining it until I just, until I nail the framework, until I nail the system and then the system I can just repeat. I just need to find a winning system, a winning routine. So the same thing is true with literally anything in our lives. I use a very small example because this is what was top of mind for me, but it applies to bigger things. This is where I want to share with you just in the context of slips and then talk to you in the context of relationships and how to heal those. So in the context of a slip, when I'm working with somebody and they report that, hey, I had a, I, I slipped this week, I fell back into an old pattern, there's never any judgment. I never think, ugh, like what's wrong? Like I thought we've already talked about this. I always think, oh, okay, well, that's good. In, that's a good awareness. Now help me understand what led to this. How did this happen? And I walk them through the same framework that I just walked you through in the podcast with me waking up late. It's okay, if this happened, what led to this? And if that was the thing, what led to that? And then what led to that? And what do we put in place to make sure that we can resolve all of these things? And then we go out after the session finishes and they test it out and see how it goes. And let's say they come back and they say, that was awesome, but there was one little place where I felt triggered. I didn't slip this time, but I was triggered. I say, great, great insight. Okay, let's take that trigger. What do we need to do to address that? How do we process that in a different way and make sure that everything is in place so that ultimately and, and, and through the process of continually refining our approach, it completely eliminates any more slips so that they never happen again. Again, I'm a huge fan of this idea that we can all make progress and change in any area. And I'm listening to a book right now. Uh, it's, it's a book about mindsets. And she breaks this up into two different mindsets. One is a growth mindset and the other is a fixed mindset. And the way she defines those two things is that a fixed mindset says that abilities and talent, intelligence, progress, all of that is at a fixed level. So we can't get any smarter. We can't get any faster. We can't get any more creative. We can't change who we are. We're just like set in stone and we have to go through life just trying to navigate life with the little resources that we have, the little or great resources that we have. But the growth mindset is completely the opposite. It's you can change anything. If you're not as sharp as you want to be intellectually, then you can make progress there. If your reading comprehension isn't as much as you want it to be, then you can make progress there. If you're slipping back into old patterns, whatever that that might be, you can make progress there. And so sometimes when people define themselves, speaking specifically in terms of the addiction, if they define themselves as an addict, this is why I'm such a big proponent of this idea that you're not an addict. While you might be struggling with addiction, you are not an addict because when you label yourself as an addict, there's different connotations that go along with that. People say, well, once an addict, always an addict. 
So subconsciously, once you adopt that label, you're then resigning yourself to the fact that you're always going to have to deal with this. And that's simply not true. And so if you say I'm an addict, that means I have to do certain things all the time. That means I'm not going to be able to make progress. That means I, I'm going to have to constantly be hypervigilant against the next slip. All of that is a connotation of what an addict is. But if you say right now I'm struggling with an addiction, you're not labeling yourself as that. You're just saying I'm struggling right now. Now you can do everything in the world about that. And so in the context of slips, I want to go back and share with you. I was working with somebody recently and he told me that a part of his acting out behavior was him wanting to meet up with people. And as I explored what the intention of that was, what was the purpose of that? Because again, we don't want to just, he said that he'd been to a handful of other therapists before and he started talking to me about some of the rationalizations and how he would justify it. And I said, okay, well, that's good. You have an awareness of that, but I don't want to talk any about that. Actually, I don't even, the justification and the rationalization that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything to me because that's not where change happens. I said, I want to go on, on, on a different thread altogether. And he's like, oh, okay, well that's new. Cause normally everybody that I meet with wants to talk about that and help me to challenge these thoughts and do all this stuff. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, we could, but you already know all the things that I could ever tell you. You already know that you don't want to be doing this. You already know the damage it causes to your, to your relationship with your wife. You already know that this is out of alignment with your spiritual values. So there's nothing that I can say that can logically convince you out of this. So we want to, we want to just approach things from a different angle altogether. And so I started asking him, what's the purpose of this? What do you get by meeting up with somebody? What is it that you feel like pulls you into that kind of, um, what is it that pulls you down that path? And then he's like, well, I don't know. I just kind of feel stressed or as I'm driving around, I just, I know there are certain parts of town where these people are. And so I, as I'm driving past that way, I just think, well, I'm here. I might as well check it out. He's like, okay, well, let's go further than that. Yes, there might be stress from the day, but really like what's, what meaning do you make out of somebody wanting to be sexual with you? Or if you get sexual attention from somebody, so I'm asking him all these questions to try to get to this meaning and how he frames this. The reason why I'm sharing this with you is so you can do the same thing as you're thinking about yourself. Asking yourself these asking yourself these questions, what is the purpose of this? What am I getting? What meaning am I making as I do this thing? Then he starts to get to the heart of why he does this. And he said, after a discussion, because it's just this back and forth of helping him try to sift through this, he started to then talk about how when he got attention from other women, he felt validated. He started to feel like he was chosen and that he felt like he was loved. And when he said that, when he said, I feel like I'm seeking the feeling of being loved, he started to weep. And I said, well, what, what's coming up for you right now? When you know, when you say that, I just, I'm looking for love. I said, what do you notice? He said, I feel sad. He starts to weep. And I said, yeah, this is, it's like, it is sad because if you're looking for love, of course, that's a normal human need that we all have. And it makes sense that you want to find this love. You want to be loved and accepted and seen because that's what we all want. And he said, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense. I do want those things. And so once we identified the need that he was trying to get filled by meeting up with people, I walked him through this process of helping him understand, well, what was it that caused him to not feel loved? 
And then we did a process to help him resolve that and recognize that he could feel these feelings of love and redefine what it means to be loved and broke down some of these negative beliefs that he had around himself that prevented him from feeling loved from other people. Once we tied up all of these loose ends, he walked out of the session a different person. And it's such a cool thing to see when somebody gets to the heart of why they're struggling and they resolve that core issue, they become a different person. And change can happen literally in an instant. It's almost like if you have a splinter in your hand and you're trying to do all these at-home remedies to deal with the pain, whether you're like, I don't know, let's just say you're putting lotion on your hand or you're, you're soaking it in water or putting ice on it. I know those aren't remedies for slivers. I'm just kind of off the top of my head. Let's say you're trying all these different things. But once you simply pull the sliver out of your hand, instantly there's a change. You don't feel that same pain anymore. And the same thing is true when it comes to addiction. The same thing is true when it comes to making progress on our goals. Once we identify what's getting in the way and putting something in place, you put a system in place, then instantly things can be different. Now then all it takes is time to reinforce the change through repeating successful actions. So when this person left my office, he walked out a different person because he recognized that he could tap into the source of love at any time he wanted to. He is he was a religious person or he is a religious person. He believes in God. And so we did some processing to help him recognize and really tap into that love and recognize that that love is always there. It's always inside of him. And so whenever he felt this longing to feel loved, I, I shared with him a few strategies to help him get that need met in a healthy way, whether it was with his uh, spiritual, spiritual practice, whether it was reminding himself, whether it was building relationships with other people, or connecting with his family. There's a bunch of different things that we can do to feel loved. But once he was clear about that's what he was seeking, now we could reverse engineer a path through the framework that I discussed with you, again, in my own example, and as we talk about it with him, we put things in place to address those needs. And so I'm really looking forward to next session when he comes in next week. Because I just told him as he left, just pay attention to this. Notice what comes up during the week. Notice how this feels as you tap into this love. And if there's anything that else, that, if there's any other triggers or things that come up, great. Just be aware of those. Don't try to suppress them. We want to give the those things a, a window to express themselves or in other words we just want to we don't instead of suppressing we want to lean into what's the trigger to become aware of it so that then we can deal with it in the same type of a way and so anybody who has a goal whether it's uh, uh, again in in the context of addiction or healing the relationships or if a, a wife wants to make progress in a certain area of her life or heal trauma or anything that she wants to do, the process is the exact same. Once you have the framework to deal with and resolve a problem, it then doesn't matter the content of the problem anymore. We just simply put that back into this process. And so I'll share with you one more example in terms of the relationship healing. So let's say, uh, sometimes I work with couples and, and despite the husband's progress and the work that he's doing, she still doesn't feel safe. She still doesn't feel connected and she has her guard up. So I often just walk them through the same exact process to try to understand, well, what's causing this guard to stay up then? 
Sometimes it's her own fears. Sometimes it's the, it's, she doesn't want to get hurt again, so she puts the wall up to make sure that even though he's doing really good work, that she doesn't want to let herself take any of that in because if she did, she'd open herself up to more hurt. That's her, that's her perspective when she's in that spot. Sometimes she doesn't have the trust yet. And in order to build trust, she just needs more consistency over time. Sometimes he's doing good things on an individual level, but he's not addressing the relationship aspect of things. And this is often the case, I think, for most people, for most women. It's either they don't want to get hurt, or number two, their, number two, their husbands are focusing on good things individually. He might be trying to build himself, change his mindset, work through beliefs, be more focused with exercise or doing any of these just healthy living behaviors, if he's not specifically addressing the safety in the relationship, it doesn't matter how much individual progress he makes, he's never going to create a sense of safety in the relationship for her to let her guard down. Because doing individual work, while that's helpful and while that can build trust in her, truly trust comes from and a connection comes from the time and the energy that he devotes to the relationship in creating connection with her. Because if he can be present with her and have conversations together and really be vulnerable and let her in on a different level and tap in to the pain that she's in when she's being vulnerable and him take care of her and support her and love her in those moments, those are the things that create trust and a sense of closeness and safety in a relationship. And so regardless of what the source of it is, we want to understand it first. So again, in the context of a relationship, if the wife still doesn't feel safe and close, I'm always asking the same type of questions. What is it? What's causing it? What's contributing to this feeling? What triggers it? And then that gives us the information that we need to then put the things in place to be successful. And how we do that, again, is once you have the data, it's just it's just data, right? Instead of me saying I'm some loser because I can't get out of bed on time, I think to myself, what happened? What got in the way? And give me this data and the feedback that I need to then adjust my plan. And then you create a system so that then you can put the, the next step in place and then you refine it as you go. The same thing is true with addiction. The same thing is true with relationships or any other category of our lives. Once we set a goal, the conscious setting of a goal is great. But more importantly, if you forget the goal or let the goal kind of just, you're not giving it all the attention, right? If it's like, I've got to do this or else I'm a failure. We set the goal out in the future and then we focus on the system that will help us achieve the goal. That's where we put our attention and our energy. Again, if I say, well, I want to lose 10 pounds. If I focus on lose 10 pounds, lose 10 pounds, don't be overweight, don't be fat, don't be a slob, don't be this, don't overeat. That doesn't, that's not a compelling future. But if I can say, if I focus on the 10, lose 10 pounds, this is what I want to get. I want to feel energy. I want to feel confident. I want to feel strong. What's going to help me get there? Well, I want to plan out my diet throughout the week. I want to focus on and decide when I'm going to exercise that week. I'm going to, you know, whatever the system is to lose those 10 pounds, that becomes your entire focus. And once you do those things, 
Instead of me saying, well, I got to get out of the house on time. I don't want to be late. Don't want to be late. I think to myself, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to focus on this. And at this time, I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to leave the house. Getting to school on time is inevitable when I follow through on a system that works. So as you guys are thinking about your own situations, I know I've shared a handful of examples today for the purpose of getting your mind kind of going in the direction of how do you apply this for your own life in whatever category of life you want to choose. The process is the same. So I would encourage you to spend some time and think about what area of your life do you want to see some growth in? Are there certain habits that you want to change? Are there certain mindsets that you want to change? Are there certain outcomes or goals you want to achieve? Focus on what's currently getting in the way. And if you're not taking any action on these things, ask yourself, why not? Not in a judgmental way, but it's just curiously, okay, what's stopping me from taking action? And then you'll start to get some data to then create a system to resolve. So just like I shared with each of these different examples, you know, getting out on time, slips, healing the relationship, you get the data that you need to put a system in place, and then you simply take action. And if the system needs refining, don't judge yourself and say, well, I can't believe I did this again. I told myself I wasn't going to do it. The more judgment that you place on yourself, the harder it is to achieve the outcome that you're going for. It's counterintuitive, but the more you pressure yourself and you beat yourself up and you try to force yourself to do something like this with this negative negative energy, it doesn't work. Truly, we want to take a step back and be curious and flexible and have compassion on ourselves and simply use the new feedback that we get to refine the system. And the more and more we refine the system, we'll nail it to that. Then we can just duplicate the process. And once you have that process, it's just doubling down on what works and achieving the goal that you have in mind is inevitable. So I hope that helps. I would encourage you to spend some time with this this week so you can put something in place, even if it's starting very small. I would encourage you to pick one thing, focus on this process, refine your system, and then enjoy the feeling and the, uh, the feeling of what it's like to make progress towards your goal because progress truly is what creates the happiness. It's not even the achievement of the goal as much as it is making progress towards it. So I look forward to speaking with you guys next week and I will talk to you soon. Take care. Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey.